This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We are uh, Canada's number one mobile and app technology show. We have a fun program. Uh, we're going to be talking about the ArriveCan app. If you've done any traveling outside of Canada, you will be familiar with this app. I am because I, uh, I cross the border a lot. I live in uh, White Rock, BC, which is right uh, next to the U.S. border. I continually forget to fill it out until the last minute. Uh, but uh, if you're going across by land or air, it's something they have to fill out. We were hoping, I was hoping that they'd kill it off because it's a pain in the butt. Uh, but it looks like they're adding some more capabilities to it. Yeah, it, it, I think it might be good, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, we're going to be chatting with uh, the Deep Racer folks at Amazon. This is a, a really cool race car series. It's like little mini remote controlled cars. And when I say remote controlled, they're controlled by way of machine learning. Uh, this is something that Amazon's come up with to teach students and just anyone that wants to learn machine learning uh, to program uh, models that will drive the car around a track and hopefully will not crash it. So once you've developed it, you can actually run the simulation on your computer. But if you want to go to the next level, you can actually get a little car with a camera on it. It's super cool stuff. And, and enter tournaments. And it's the same technology that's used in autonomous vehicles. Yeah. But it's really meant to be like an, an entry point for anyone interested in the machine learning space. Um, and, you know, it's good for students. It's good for adults. It's good for everybody. And... We're going to chat a little bit more about our eSIM experience. Uh, you might have uh, remembered some of the past couple shows here. We went down to Vegas and tried out eSIMs. These are electronic SIMs that uh, you can get data plans for to save you some money on roaming. So it kind of worked, and there's some things that didn't work <laughs> as well. So we'll uh, go through the, uh, the pros and cons uh, of that. Uh, let's get into some of the uh, mobile and app news, John. Uh, iOS 16, uh, this is for the iPhone folks out there, coming out in September-ish. The public beta will be July. Okay. Yeah. So anyone can sign up for that. Yeah. Yes. And you've been running it. Yeah. And you like it? I love it. So one of the features that interested me is, you know, when you go to websites, sometimes you got to fill out the CAPTCHA thing. To like, prove you're not a, a, a robot? Yes. So pick out all the cars in this picture or pick out all the bridges. You have to do it like three times sometimes? Yeah, because I didn't pick out enough bridges. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so I appreciate why it's there because they want to prevent bots from like, getting into the site. Uh, but iOS 16 now will potentially bypass that for you. Yeah, essentially what it's doing is it's telling, uh, they have a partnership deal with the companies that provide CAPTCHAs for websites. And so because you're using your iPhone, you're already logged in and authenticated with, with your face ID or your touch ID, depending on which device you have. And it basically treats you as a trusted device. So you, you actually get to skip that completely. I would love that. I can't wait. Well, we're going to have to check that out when it uh, hits. Is it in your um, your beta right now? It's not in the beta quite yet. Okay, yeah. but it's coming. It's coming. IKEA. These guys are at the forefront of um, AR technology. Like you can basically uh, use their app to put furniture, their furniture in your home. Well, now a feature of this app is that it'll erase your existing furniture. Yeah, because that's the thing is if you want to buy a new couch, you got to re get rid of the couch so you can actually digitally try out a new couch. Yes. Now they'll just delete your couch. How's it do that? I don't know. It's magic. But that's kind of a cool feature. Like I, I've used some of their technology and I have to say it's, it works. Well, the big thing about, about the augmented reality is that it's to scale. Yeah. So if you're looking to buy a, say a specific chair or a couch or dresser, 
it'll actually put it in the same physical space through your camera's phone. Yeah. Through your phone's camera. Yeah. Uh, so you can actually see scale, color, how it's going to look. You can move around it and see what it looks like from different angles. It's pretty amazing technology and it's completely free. Well, until you go to, to Ikea. Well, yeah. And buy all their uh, stuff. Uh, but that's available now, essentially. So yeah. if you want to race your couch, uh, this <laughs> this is the uh, the app uh, to do it. Uh, moving on to some of the other news, uh, John. Uh, speaking of iPhones, someone found a lost iPhone that had been submerged for how long? 10 months? 10 months. 10 months. So this iPhone had been lost underwater for 10 months. What kind of iPhone was it? A, a mini? It uh, looks like a mini. Yeah. yeah. And so... They took it out of the water, I guess obviously dried it off, uh, charged it, and it worked. <laughs> I can't believe it could sit underwater for 10 months. In the, the, and we should point out, this was in Scotland, oh. in, a, in a river, so it's probably not very warm. Maybe that, maybe that protected it. <laughs> yeah. If it, was, if, it was, if it was warmer, maybe it wouldn't have survived. That's amazing, though. But I wonder, like, what's, what's the lifespan on that iPhone now? But I mean, if it, it turned on, I mean, obviously the waterproofing, like most of the new phones, like the iPhones, they, they do have, I forget what it is, an IPX68 rating or... Yeah. yeah. And there's like gaskets and seals around everything. Yeah. But apparently this isn't the longest iPhone that's survived. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently in 2016, a Pennsylvania man dropped his iPhone 4 into a lake Yeah. and it survived for 18 months. 18 months. Yeah. What kind of iPhone? An iPhone 4. That wasn't waterproof. No, I know. That's the crazy part. The, the thing I found though with Apple, they won't certify it as something. Yeah. But maybe it, it has that tech there. They just they couldn't get the certifications. Yeah. And they didn't want to oversell the service. I remember when the original uh, Apple Watch launched, they said you can't swim with it. No. I know lots of people that did. Yeah. I did. Oh, you did. I had no problems. Yeah. Yeah. And it kept working. Kept um, yeah. I used it for years. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because I always like was paranoid about taking off in the shower or if I had to go swimming. No, I swam in a, in a, in a pool with it. No problem. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Another interesting news item that I came across, John, and I, I just don't know what to make of this. Uh, Samsung, obviously big phone maker. They also make uh, their, their Galaxy Bud ear phones as well. Uh, they partnered with Starbucks. And why wouldn't you? And I, I don't, so you can get Starbucks themed cases for your phone. And accessories. And accessories. Yeah. But you can also get some earbud themed Starbucks cases as well. So it looks like a little Starbucks cup. Yeah. And you fold it open and then their Galaxy Buds are inside. <laughs> and they have cases that look like you know when when you get a, a cup of coffee at Starbucks, it has like that that thermal receipt stuck to the outside with your name on it yeah. that you ordered. They have cases that have that on it. And oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it looks like it's all silicone or rubber or something like that, but yeah. it just looks like. I mean, so you'd have to really be in a Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know what this reminds me of? Do you remember when we were in Shenzhen and we were in this? Let's call it the knockoff mall. Yeah. There was lots of products that were clearly not legally trademarked. Yes. This feels like something that I would see in that mall. <laughs> Maybe they found it there. Well, yeah. Thought, this is a great idea. Yeah, I don't know. But how, like, okay, so the little Starbucks Samsung earbuds, 
in the little coffee cup. I mean, how f- convenient is that to carry around? It doesn't look like very- as a, as a guy that just sticks these things in my pocket. I'm not putting that in my pocket. No, but maybe you would hang that off your purse. Yes. My man purse. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, fortunately for you, Mike, these are only available in South Korea. Oh, they're not available here. No. Oh, those Koreans. Yeah. Always one step ahead of us. Blending coffee and phone technology together. <laughs> yeah, there's a receipt strap case. And a receipt strap case? Yeah. Yeah. Because it actually has a re- the, the receipt the receipt hangs off the edge of the case and at the bottom of it is like a little loop so you can actually put it around your neck on a, a lanyard or something. Do you remember Atari? Of course I do. Yes, I had the Atari twenty six hundred. It was amazing. Me too. Fifty year anniversary. It is. It's gone through a few incarnations. It's been sold to a few people. Yeah. Along the way. <laughs> yeah. But it's really cool, though. They're actually going to celebrate the anniversary by partnering with Digital Eclipse. Do you remember them? No. They're the ones that did Dragon's Lair, those, all the repackaged ones. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So um, they're actually doing an anniversary collection. It's going to have over 90 games across all of the consoles that Atari ever made. Ever made, like the Jaguar, the 7200, 5400. Yeah. Is it the 5400 or the 5200? 5200, 5200, yeah. Yep. And they're going to have archival photos, images, and even interviews with the game creators. And it'll be available on every modern platform, PS4, PS5, Xbox, PC, Nintendo Switch, and even the Atari VCS, which is also a new console you can buy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Are you going to get it? I think so. I love the old Atari games. They're some of my favorites still. Yeah. You are listening to the App Show right now. We're talking about all the latest uh, app and uh, tech news. Uh, We will have to take a break now. Uh, When we come back, we're going to be talking all sorts of tech, uh, including uh, Amazon's Deep Racer series, these little cars you can program and learn machine learning at the same time. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. Time to talk about... Everyone's favorite app, the ArriveCan app. If you've done any traveling outside of Canada, you will become familiar with this app. You need to download it and fill it out before you get back into the country. So whether that's by land, sea, or air, uh, I've had to fill it out many times. I have to be honest, it's gotten better. When it first came out, there was like a zillion questions. I think they've cut the questions in half. Uh, But they basically want to know where you went to, uh, and then they ask you some COVID questions. Well, the nice thing too is they have the save traveler feature now too. Yes. So it actually remembers all of your stuff. So you don't have to go look up your passport number and all those other things. Well, what I, what I did like is that I was able to input other travelers into it. So if I'm going down with my wife and sometimes we bring my parents down now, God forbid, everyone has to fill it out separately. Uh, now I can just have it all, all their information in my app. Yeah. And just check bar, checkbox the ones that are traveling with me. Uh, so now they're adding more capability to it. Yeah. Apparently, as of this week, uh, as of the 28th, um, you can actually uh, do your declaration up to 72 hours in advance. Yeah. You don't have to do it the day before or the day of or while you're at the airport or... Which I'm doing. <laughs> you're doing it in line for the border. Oh, my God. Yeah. When you have no cell service. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, back a few weeks ago... Because I always forget. So as I'm, I'm coming up to the borderline, because I'm driving, my wife and I were down. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot again. And so um, I was in the nexus lane, but it was just, the whole thing was empty. And so about 50 feet away, I just kind of pull over to the side a bit. 
to fill it out, which don't do that. Not recommended. It, no, it freaks out the border folks, the, the, <laughs> the border patrol people. Like I, I can, you know, I start seeing the, the woman there. She's kind of peeking out from her kiosk. And then, you know, she comes walking up and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm filling out the arrive can app. Don't do that. That scares us. Do you know what I mean? Like, why is a car stopping 100 feet or 50 feet away yeah. from the you, border? You're going to run the border yeah. or something. Yeah. I'm going to get shot. Yeah. Because I didn't fill out the Arrive Can app. <laughs> so, the lesson there is if you haven't done it, just admit it and they'll make you pull over after you go through to fill it up. Yeah. So, apparently, if you're flying uh, into Toronto or uh, Vancouver airports, you can do this advanced declaration now through the app up to 72 hours before flying into Canada. Really? So that makes it really handy if you're not sure about your internet service, you know, that kind of things you can do it. You're like, you know what, my flight's this time, that kind of thing. Yeah. The the thing that always trips me up is when it asks you, when are you at the border? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm trying to fill it out in my hotel room before I've even left. So I... I don't think they care, John. Well, I think they they only care as long as that you've submitted it. Yes. And that's the interesting thing is because uh, before you would have to fill it in and like I would screenshot the little QR code and all that kind of stuff. And then at the border, I would ask them, do you need to see my record? No, no, it, it, it's already been sent and it matches up when they scan your passport. Yeah. They, they get all that information. But I guess also my car or my Nexus card. Yeah. Because I'm scanning my Nexus card. Right. It would pop up there. Same thing. Yeah. Because yeah. you have to put your Nexus declaration in the, in the app as well. Do we even need this thing anymore? I don't know. I don't think so. Like. I don't know what purpose it's, I mean, especially for vaccinated Canadians. Yeah. I would say no. No. Yeah. Like, especially at the land border, like what's the point anymore? Right. Is it just, just for COVID or are they trying to make something out of this now? Do you know what I mean? More tracking your movements. Yeah. Cause I know the, the, the border, um, the union that um, does the border uh, people, the CBSA, CBSA, sorry, <laughs> the border people, sorry about that guys and gals. Um, they don't like it. No, because they have to be tech support. Yeah. And helping people like you do it at the border. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying not to get shot. Yeah. No, but no, it's tough, right, John? Because you know, some, some people that aren't as tech savvy, like my parents, like yeah. I, I, they wouldn't even know how to do it. Well, they wouldn't. What about, an American driving up from from Florida or someplace. Yeah, how would they even know they had? To well, do there's that? signs. Well, no, I, I to fill out this random app they don't know about. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That they'll think it only applies to Canadians. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think its its mission has been accomplished. Mission accomplished. Let's get the. Yeah, but they're still adding to it, John. Yeah. I yeah. Know. But I mean, you know, we we traveled to Vegas last week. I think we're going again in a couple of weeks. We are. Yeah. Um, overall, the experience was good. I mean, we flew out of Vancouver. Yes. I know Toronto and Montreal were having challenges. Yes. Yeah. But um, security was fine. In Vegas, it was amazing. It was dreamy in Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the custom, because in Vancouver, you can cross customs there. No problem at all. They had enough staff. Yeah. I guess it's just the security side that, you know, like Toronto, Montreal are having issues with. Well, and you know, Vancouver, the security clearing section was a little backed up if you didn't have Nexus. Yeah. I, I haven't seen lines like that in a long time. Well, yeah, my, I, I reapplied to get mine, um, uh, redone and pandemic hit. 
And during the pandemic, like I got a conditional approval, but I had to go in for an interview. Obviously during the pandemic, I couldn't go. Right. But they sent me a little email saying, you're still good for two years. Awesome. E- even with an expired Nexus card. But I had good news the other day. I got an email saying, you're all approved now. I guess they're just going through, hey, we don't have time to do <laughs> 10,000 interviews at this point. Well, my girlfriend's joining us uh, to Vegas next time and she does not have Nexus. Oh, yeah. She's applied. Yeah. She's got an interview in November. Oh, my God. So it's like June, July now. That's a long time. Well, I'm hoping there'll be a, a cancellation and she, we can move that that interview up. Yeah. Yeah. They should. I don't know if they can make it easier. I guess it's pretty easy as is. Well, I think it's just the volume. Uh, last, yeah. last I saw, there was hundreds of thousands of people that were looking to either renew or uh, get Nexus applications. Yeah. Okay, we still got lots to talk about today on the app show. When we come back, we're going to be chatting about Deep Racer. Really cool little remote control cars that you program using machine learning, and they drive themselves. You're listening to the app show. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Uh, we're talking all about uh, AI in this segment, artificial intelligence. We've got a great guest. His name is Mike Miller. He is the uh, general manager of uh, AWS AI devices. That's Amazon Web Services. Thanks for joining us on the program. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So we have uh, been down at this conference, uh, the Amazon Re-Mars conference. Not the planet, but uh, machine learning, autonomy, Oh, I forgot. Robotics. Robotics and space. Okay, there. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in charge of uh, artificial intelligence. Like, what does that mean <laughs> at Amazon? Yeah, well, uh, artificial intelligence is a pretty, pretty broad term, yes. right? It's all about... I mean, we hear it all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. absolutely. You know, having you know, have machines with human-like uh, kind of perception and kind of capabilities... Um, what I focus on are fun products that give developers um, and students uh, hands-on ways to learn about machine learning and artificial intelligence. Because it's such a new area, conceptual topics are difficult to grasp without some hands-on sort of ability to connect the dots of what AI and ML actually means. So we've built a couple different products that allow developers to do just that, learn about machine learning while they're having fun and getting hands-on with some of the technology. So for our listeners, what's the difference between machine learning and artificial intelligence? We, uh, we often use these terms interchangeably. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some esoteric uh, descriptions for how, how they differ in terms of the technology involved. But for our, for our purposes, Same thing, like of. thinking of them just as this general way of sort of human perception um, is, is fine. So why is Amazon in this business? I mean, you guys are great at getting my, my packages to me like next day or some, sometimes same day, and I love Amazon Prime Video. So why AI? Yeah, so AWS is Amazon Web Services, and we um, you know, focus on you know, enabling customers to build and innovate in their businesses. So there's services like storage and compute and other kind of cloud-based capabilities that a lot of companies use to run their business, to drive innovation, to reduce costs. So it's things in the cloud kind of behind the scenes. And AI and ML um, allows these companies to imbue some of their products with 
smarts. So for instance, you have somebody like uh, Discovery um, Plus who runs a streaming service. They use one of our AI and ML capabilities called Amazon Personalize to generate personalized recommendations for you um, on their home screen. Um, and so these things use AI and ML to sort of make decisions about what might be the next best you know, movie or streaming thing for you to watch. That's you know, not Ed in the basement of Discovery telling you what's, <laughs> what's good. Staff That's picks. right. It's a machine yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of figuring that out and yeah. sort of doing that in a much more efficient way in a much higher sort of accurate – with much higher accuracy. Should we be scared of this? Like you always hear about AI. You know, I've seen a lot of movies <laughs> – that, where it, it goes wrong, like, but it's such a part of what's happening right now. Like, is there any concerns? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think with uh, you know the way that you know we look at AI and ML, you know, we've got a whole set of kind of responsible AI guidelines, tools, you know, publicly available documentation to help our customers um, really take advantage of AI and ML um, in the best possible way, and really use it to drive innovation in their businesses. And really, the bottom line for them is providing better customer experiences um, and really figuring out what's the best way to sort of delight uh, customers with new services or kind of enhance their experiences. Well, it, it really is amazing. I mean, we've talked to some of your space guys, that's what I'm calling them, Amazon okay. space guys, <laughs> uh, and how you're, you know, using AI technology, uh, you know, with satellites in the cloud mm -hmm. to analyze like huge amounts of data to like yeah. determine where wildfires have started and, you know, climate change and things like that. So that's something that would have taken forever you know, just a few absolutely. years ago, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the advent of what we call big data, which as, you're, as you point out, are these huge databases full of these things could be satellite imagery. They could be sort of data about usage. They could be just, you know, pictures on the internet, um, you know, making sense of that data um, and applying insights to it is what AI and ML is really great at. Do you, do you find that um, this is like sort of like almost like a new career path for people? or even kids to get interested in this type of technology because it's so new, it's moving so fast, and it can be quite a lot of fun, especially at some of the projects that you've been made available, like Deep Racer, for example. Yeah, which absolutely. Is, can you just sort of explain what Deep Racer is and, and how that is like a gateway to? Certainly. The gateway drug to AI. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of fun with it. So yeah. I, I think we all will recognize that um, with AI and ML, there's a huge need for um, you know professionals who know about AI and ML and can apply it to solve business problems. Um, but we have a big skills gap. And so we've got to figure out ways to really teach um, developers um, all the way down to students about AI and ML, what it can do, how you can apply it to solve your business problems, and how you can actually use it. Um, and so in my team, what we do is we build these fun, hands-on experiences that allow both students and professional developers to get on this on-ramp and learn about AI and ML in a fun and hands-on way. Because who wants to, you know, sit with a textbook and sort of type in, you know, code on a, on a computer screen 24 hours a day when you could, you know, um, write, a little, write a little function and see it teach a car how to drive in a virtual environment or on a track. So we developed Deep Racer, which is a 3D-based racing simulator and an actual 118th scale car that allows developers to get introduced to a technique called reinforcement learning that's used to um, teach a car how to drive itself autonomously around a track. Um, and of course, what's driving a car around a track without a little competition? So we also have the Deep Racer League, which allows developers and students to um, you know, train their models uh, and see who can, whose car can autonomously drive the fastest around a track. I thought that was a really interesting thing that you mentioned before we started recording, that, that you can actually literally just download these models to these cars. 
So you can try different scenarios, I would imagine, by using different models. That's right. That's right. So a developer's responsibility in using DeepRacer is to write what we call a reward function. And so you teach this car much in the same way you'd teach uh, a dog to do a new trick, where you give it a reward when it does something positive, or, or um, you give it a positive reinforcement when it does something you want to do. So what the developer does is they write a little function called a reward function, which defines during the training, what do I want to reward the car for? So for instance, let's say you want your car to like stay rock solid on the center line as it drives around the track. You can give it a reward, uh, like 100% of a reward for every time that it's on the center line, and you can decrease the reward if it veers away from the center line. Or if you want to train it to not make really sharp turns, you can reward it for you know softer, more gradual turning. Um, and that function then uh, is used during the training through trial and error while this thing drives around the track in the virtual simulator, of course, because whenever it goes off the track, the simulator just resets it back to the starting line and lets it drive again. And it uses that experience of driving around this track and sort of crashing hundreds or thousands of times to teach the machine learning model how to successfully make it around the track. And it's really interesting how that kind of thought process can scale up to like a self-driving actual car and how you have to teach it and all that stuff that goes into it to make it safe for everybody and and also an enjoyable experience yeah, because absolutely. like staying you know on on the line in between the lines versus you know going off into this off off to the edge uh you want to have that ride to be as smooth as possible yeah, absolutely. And it's certainly Deep Racer, I think, is a very simplified version of kind of autonomous driving. When you get into a real autonomous driving, there's lots of different algorithms and lots of different sensors um, that all kind of come into play and lots, a lot more kind of safety sort of issues. You know, for us, when we drive, obviously, in the simulator, it's 100% risk-free. And then when we have a track with a physical car, we have a barrier up. Um, and, we, you know, we make sure that the car doesn't go, go off into the crowd or anything like that. But, yeah, absolutely, there's a lot of parallels. You there. haven't lost anyone in the crowd yet. <laughs> Nobody no. yet. We may have lost a one of the track bosses, the guys who yeah. walk, walk around behind the car. Put the but... car back on the track there. <laughs> so that's interesting. These little, they almost look like remote control cars yes. with like a camera on them. And so what's happening is the programmers are basically coming up with a model mm-hmm. of how it should drive and then kind of loading that into the car. And hopefully they've done it, <laughs> done it well and it stays on the That's track. exactly right. And they, the developer has the opportunity to um, kind of define the parameters during the training. So what happens is they write that reward function that defines what kind of rewards it get. Um, and then they define a training kind of episode, which is, you know, could be 60 minutes or three hours or five hours, where in that virtual simulator, the car takes hundreds or thousands of trips around the track yeah. to build up its learning. Because what it does, like you said, it's based on a remote control car chassis and there's a camera on the front. And so what happens is the camera sees the track in front of it. Let's say the track veers to the left. Then the machine learning model says, hey, I know what to do when the track veers left. I have to turn my wheels gradually to the left. And so it learns how to make those decisions that keep it on the track as it drives around. So the, the car I was watching kept hitting the wall. So that programmer, should he maybe think of a different career path, like <laughs> advertising or radio? So what we do when, when we actually drive the physical cars is the, the driver actually gets to control the speed. So oh. I might actually chalk oh. it up to the person who had the accelerator okay. pedal. So okay. in the simulator, um, the car teaches, learns how to use the accelerator. But in the physical world, we actually allow the participant to control the speed. And so it might be like, hey, they were just flooring it. They really wanted to get that top speed, and that uh, it was too fast for the model to kind of react to. 
We're talking with uh, Mike Miller. He's uh, general manager uh, over at uh, Amazon Web Services. They're AI or artificial intelligence uh, devices. Is there a place where people could find more information about this? Absolutely, deepracer.com. And we actually have- You've got your own website. We have a, an offering that's specific for students, uh, 16 and older enrolled in high school or college. Um, free. Um, we offer a certain amount of time that they can use to train their models um, every month, and they can compete against other students around the world. It's a global uh, kind of competition. They can actually access that through DeepRacer.com as well. Or developers, um, you know, at companies around the world can participate in sort of the pro league, uh, kind of with the big boys, where they get to train for a lot more hours and get a lot faster lap times. So, for the students that want to check this out, do they have to have any knowledge of programming? No, we actually have uh, almost 20 hours of. Um, educational content on there that teach teaches the students about Deep Racer and about the level of programming that they'll need. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty simple uh, Python reward function. So we'll introduce you to some of those scripting capabilities that you need, and we give you a bunch of samples as well. So even if you're a, a novice, you should be able to get started relatively quickly. So I could even learn to crash cars. Mike, you, you probably could. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> I, I want to thank you for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Uh, for the past couple of shows, John, we've been talking about eSIMs, electronic SIMs. Yes, and our experiences specifically with an app that we tried while we were in Las Vegas. Which I can never pronounce. Airalo. 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 Okay. Yeah. And so this works on the newer phones, so like an iPhone 11 and up. Any modern Android phone will have yeah. support for this as well. Yes. Uh, so typically you have a physical SIM with you know, your regular plan here in Canada. Uh, with the eSIM, you can get another plan, like a data plan typically, if you're traveling, like to US or internationally. And so we did that going down the US. Yeah. And it kind of worked. I, For me, I think it mostly worked great. Um, the thing that we talked about before was the fact that it didn't include 5G. After we recorded that segment, we went to the closing party for the conference we were at, which was outside in downtown Las Vegas. Yeah. And I had 5G full bars the whole time. I did not. Which is weird because we had the same phone, same plan, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really Luck interesting. Lucky John. The other thing I noticed, and we got Robin on the line as well with us because he also has an experience to share, but I also noticed that it didn't seem to count uploads. No. No, it counted downloads. Yeah. So my data was depleting as I was using it, but I uploaded a lot of video from the conference. Yeah, you did over the internet, over, over my cellular plan, and I still have almost two gigs of data of my three gig plan. That's pretty good. Yeah. So we've got Robin, one of our uh, contributor, contributors and hosts uh, in with us. Robin, while we were in Vegas, you went to Ireland, which I is like think. Vegas without the neon signs. Yeah, more and sheep. And more sheep and it's greener. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I took the sim uh, over to Europe for a slightly different experience, but I think... Um, Overall, I shared a very similar experience to yourselves. Did you have any problems setting it up and getting it working? Um, I had a little bit of troubleshooting just getting it initially up and going because you kind of have to like, when you download the plan, you have to download a profile and set it up and it tells you, you can only do this once. Yes. So it was, I was in the airport setting it up and I was very careful not to make a mistake and waste $10 or so. Yeah. Um, but once I got it set up, it was it was dead easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got the three gig plan for about thirty days. Yeah, I used it up in about six days. <laughs> <laughs> but you're only there for seven, weren't you? I was only there for seven. Oh, yeah. so what did you do? Did you get more? So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I had to find a uh, a Wi-Fi hotspot in a McDonald's 
Okay. And um, and I just downloaded another gig. Yeah. And it was so easy. I just paid five dollars US. Yeah. And it was just there. There was no wait time. So altogether, how much did it cost you? Altogether, it was about sixteen dollars US. That's pretty good. That's better than roaming. That's one day of roaming, basically. Yeah. yeah. Genuinely, like when I went back. Uh, for Christmas, I accidentally left my roaming on when I arrived. Oh no! And of course, you just get the message saying like, "Hey, Fido, you're traveling," and I'm like, "Oh no!" It's a fifteen dollar message. Genuinely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went back and checked my plan, and it was fifteen dollars for that one day or yeah. one minute that I had it on. That'll teach you, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but overall, yay or nay? Oh yay, hundred percent yay. yay. Yeah. I recommended it to like my whole family. Yeah, because they're going traveling now. My sister's going to Thailand. She was like, this is a life changer. The, the other cool thing you can do too is when somebody sets it up, you automatically get sort of a referral code. You give that to your friends and family and everybody gets three bucks off their next purchase. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which is really cool. So the only problem I have, and I'm probably going to see this on my bill, like I'm working a lot of time still, so I need my phone number to work. Do right. you know what I mean? Yeah. So... So I'm, if you answer that call, you're effectively I'm roaming. Well, you're not data roaming. You're doing voice roaming. Yeah, which, but then it's like what's that? Like seventy five cents a minute or something crazy. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, when I get my bill, that'll be another segment, <laughs> just to tell you how wrong I I use the, the sim. But the data part worked pretty well. The only I only had some problems with iMessage. For some reason, it just didn't kind of click in right away. I, I was similar as well. What like did you for, do? Just reboot. Um, I just went through iMessage again, settings, yeah. turned it off and on again, reassigned it. Like it worked for some contacts. Yeah. And then for others, it was just straight SMS for no reason. Well, I, I think it has to do with the fact that depending on who your contact is and how you added them as a contact, mm. if you added them as a phone number contact, they might not know that because you're using technically a different number. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you're using data. But it, so it's a little weirdness. I found all my problems went away though as soon as I just rebooted. Oh, right. Yeah. Interesting. Turn it off and on again. <laughs> the ultimate fixer. Okay, that's uh, a thumbs up from all of us. Oh, Air- yeah. Arlo, digital sim. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. want to thank everyone that helps put the program together. Of course, including uh, my good friend and co-host here, John. And uh, Robin, back at the studio uh, as well. Uh, have to give a shout out to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Lots of great content up there. We always put our latest uh, how-to videos and product reviews uh, on uh, that site. And uh, you can also listen to our podcasts uh, as well. So not only for the app show, but our sister radio show, Get Connected. And that uh, is available under the Listen tab. Or if you want to subscribe to it on your favorite podcasting app, whether that's through Apple or Google or Spotify, you can find us there uh, as well. So uh, we do the two shows uh, every week and we'd love you to tune in uh, and even subscribe to them uh, as well. That's all the time we have left. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.